0: Today I'm very excited. Uh, I've been reaching out to a lot of my my friends to reach out and uh, have very in-depth conversations, and I'm really excited when I get to meet a new friend. And I'm especially excited today because my mom is one of my die-hard listeners. Secure enough in my masculinity and my professionalism, I could admit that my mom is one of my biggest fans, and I know that she'll be listening to this one, and she'll be very happy because Lizzo is one of my mom's favorite artists and she is so excited to hear from my from today's guest. Her name is Danielle Edwards. She is lighting she's a lighting director out of Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you so much for making time to sit down and chat with me today, Danielle. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, I'm so excited to be here.
0: I'm excited for so many reasons. Number one, the, the the fact that as a as a son, I know that my mom's going to be excited to hear from you. She She's such a huge fan of Lizzo and and a couple of your clients actually. So uh, thank you so uh-huh. much. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is, I, I just have such a, a stream of of men on here, and I, and I love the I love all the men in the industry. But I I always exc- I get especially excited when I get to hear that some of the women in our industry because it's such a fresh perspective. I feel like a bus full of guys just gets so mundane and i feel like when we add some women into the industry i feel like it really changes the whole tour and the, the industry as a whole so i'm really excited to kind of get your unique philosophies on uh on this one so let's let's just get yeah. right on there
1: get a little girl power in here <laughs>
0: hell yeah and we'll, we'll get more into that but first off, i want to know like how did you get into this industry in the first place this is it's such a, uh, a boutique, unique industry that nobody really grows up wanting to be here until they realize what it is. And they're like, oh, man, this is, let's do this.
1: Yeah, for sure. So how did All you right.
0: get, how did, what was your spark?
1: All right. So um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Acquire the Fire. It was like a uh, youth conference, uh, faith-based. We went around. I paid to tour for my first tour. I paid, I think it was something like $300 a month. I slept on a, we had a a charter bus that was turned into um, like a a bunk bus, I guess. Um, 20 bunks, 38 people on the bus, which meant we had bunk buddies. (laughs) We um, toured around and put on these youth conferences every weekend, we stayed in host homes. And then I met some people, actually uh, a couple of guys who work here in Nashville who worked for the Newsboys. I met them at one of our conferences and they were like, if you want to do this for real, you got to move out to Nashville. So I was like, yeah, I'm kind of tired of, um, you know, sharing bunks with someone. So I moved out to Nashville, started working at 44 Designs, uh, a company out here in Nashville and never looked back. But <laughs> the sleeping in, sleeping in a, a bus with, with a 30 something people was just not fun
0: (laughs) this podcast just took a huge left turn (laughs) I had about 10 other questions I had for you and I have just abandoned all of them I have to hear more about what
1: yeah it was wild it was wild I did it for two years (laughs) yeah
0: oh my god okay fill me in like what what it
1: We did arenas too. It wasn't like a, you know, small church tour. We were doing arenas. It was, I think I might've been the oldest person. I was maybe 24. Everybody was younger than that going around putting on these shows.
0: This wasn't even an unpaid internship. This was you paid to tour?
1: Yes. Yep.
0: (laughs) Okay. How did that come about? You were, you, you were at church. (laughs)
1: no so I did um I did do some like stage management stuff like that in church going up but I um I my youth group went to these events and so as a college student I was like I don't have anything else to do so I'm going to volunteer for one of these events and I met I was going to school for mass comm didn't really know what I wanted to do uh met some people at the event and they were like oh yeah you could do this too it's an internship and so I was like sign me up I didn't realize uh everything that was a part of that necessarily but that's how i got into acquire the fire was i did their internship which i had to pay for <laughs> <laughs> Yep. <Yeah. laughs>
0: i did not know that was a thing i this yeah. is this is news to me yep was it was the three hundred dollars at least hidden as like a fee or like some processing fee or was it like no if you want to get into the industry you have to pay us $300
1: if you want to get into the industry you have to pay us $300 and if you didn't pay the money you got on like a financial um, probation type thing and you could get kicked off the team (laughs) yeah oh my god good time crazy stories (laughs) Okay, it was so you- fun though. It was fun. I will say that it was just, I didn't know what real touring was and it was something that like, I didn't know what else to do with my life at that point. And I was like, let's do this touring thing. I didn't realize that this is not how normal people tour until I started touring for real.
0: I, I hope that you've already understand this. And I've, if anybody else is here listening right now to, that has any power, that's, I want to say that's extortion.
1: I, I well, think you're exploited. The whole program does not exist anymore. They have okay. an internship. Yeah. it's it. I think 2013 is when it kind of all fell apart. But there are lots of people here in Nashville who got their start at this, at Acquire the Fire. Okay. Yeah.
0: Right on. Yeah. I, I feel like we just did some investigative journalism here because if anybody's <laughs> listening, then they have any sort of power to, to prevent that from happening to future people. Then we should t- totally prevent that. Yeah. So fill me in. So you okay? So let's get past the three hundred dollars you paid. Yeah. The, your first day, they're like, okay. So here's here's the deal. You, Danielle, you're going to be the were you the stage manager or were you the lighting person at I the was, time?
1: So I started out in video. I was video first, but okay. So I did an internship at with the Umbrella. It was like a ministry. It's called the Honor Academy. So I did a a year long internship with them. And then, after that first year-long internship, then I qualified to go on the road with them. So then, I did two years on the road with them. Started out, we did what's called, um, we, it's like pre-production. We did like this whole, okay. I think it was like several weeks. Um, and we, like, I went in knowing nothing besides like the very, very basics from being a stage manager. And so, Hold we on, did. Let's, let's back
0: up before we get too far. Okay. What did okay. you do for the year of the intern without touring? Were, were you, Was that...
1: I worked Office in a call work? center. I worked in yeah, I worked in a call center and I paid to do that as well. <laughs> um I know, I know. Crazy when you talk about it now, but then it was really cool. <laughs> I didn't know what I didn't know anything else.
0: <laughs> what what did um, you do at the call center?
1: Um so I worked for um it's called uh mission trips, basically, getting okay. calling like youth pastors and getting them out onto mission trips and stuff. Okay. Um yeah, so I did that for a year. I hated it. Um,
0: You're in school this whole time, right? You're also at school school my day.
1: So it was like because it was like a faith faith based thing. Uh, we took like classes, but they were it wasn't like accredited or anything. It was just like character building and like theology classes and okay. stuff like that. Um, so yes, we would have classes in the morning, and then I would work. I think I worked from like three p.m. to Eight PM or three PM to nine PM, something like that. I can't remember. that okay. Um. Yeah. So classes during the day and then working in the afternoon.
0: Okay. And then after a year of the call center, you were finally prepared.
1: Yes. Yep. To prepared to to try to get on the road because okay. we had this whole process. It was like a intense um i think it was like maybe three or four days where they like interviewed us and they saw like the team building activities because they were trying to build a team 38 of us and they wanted to make sure that like there wasn't going to be someone that just couldn't get along with people or who like didn't know how to communicate and so we okay. went through the process i think there were maybe 50 of us that went through the process and then they picked 38 of us to be on the team okay uh and then for pre-production we um, went into like this student activity center. And I, like I said, I knew nothing. I knew bare minimum from being a stage manager and, um, some professionals <laughs> came in and they basically taught us everything that we knew that we needed to know to like make a show happen. I started off as the video director. Um, they told me about switching about like projectors at this time we were using projectors, like everything I needed to know in order to be successful for my first year on the road. Um, okay and then did that for a whole year. And then I was like, you know what? These shots are cool, but you know what makes them really cool is the lights. (laughs) And so decided the next year to ask to be the lighting director. And so I, I guess was in competition with another person to be the lighting director and they liked my creativity better. I don't know how the process worked, but went through the whole thing again, pre-production, had um, a guy named Danny Zacharias, who's actually here in Nashville, um, came in and basically trained me on everything i need to know lighting wise i was calling um movers smart fixtures because i didn't know what they were called (laughs) you know i was like oh yeah those smart fixtures um (laughs) and he taught me everything i need to know programmed my first show and fell in love with lighting from there
0: so you had people coming in these are professionals i don't know danny Zacharias, but i would imagine he's been a, a a He's a lighting designer, director, yes. programmers in the industry. Yeah. And he came in. Did you tell him that you were paying to be there?
1: He knew. He did it himself. He did it several years before I was there.
0: <laughs> and he's escaped now. He, I'm, a, I'm, I'm hoping that Danny is getting paid to do what he does now.
1: Yeah, he is. He is. I, I mean, I hope. I mean, it's coronavirus. I don't know who's getting paid for <laughs> at this point, but yeah.
0: <laughs> Current current situation <laughs> excluded
1: yeah yeah but he's been successful so but yeah
0: okay and then what about the the video director who came in who was was that a, a professional as well that came in to yeah. help you with
1: that yeah he um he's actually still here in Nashville I don't know what he's doing now but he was doing video at the time okay um, in Nashville and so he came in and same. I think he had been a part of the organization for a couple of years but he knew he knew as well <laughs> there are okay. lots of people who just so let's different. go into your
0: first year as a video director you got on the bus for the very first time did they tell you what it was like to live on a bus
1: um well they did tell me that we had to pick bunk buddies um and that whoever we picked was going to be our person for the year so we toured from uh september to may and then we had the summers off um so, yeah, that was what I knew. We couldn't use the bathroom on the bus. Right. Um, right. So they, they did tell me that. I didn't quite know what it was going to be like, um, but they gave me a brief rundown. So first day on the bus, you bring in all your bedding, you set up your bunk, you pick your bunk, you set boys in the front, girls in the back. <laughs> Can't have any commingling. mingling um, Of course not. Of yeah. Course not. <laughs> yeah. You get like a little storage space to put your personal belongings and then you hit the road
0: you brought your own bedding
1: yes yeah the beds were so uncomfortable (laughs) so you bring like a foam topper and you bring like your own pillows so you're not yeah (laughs) that's cool it was all right
0: (laughs) and what criteria did you use to pick your bunk mate how did you Uh. I hope it was a mutual decision. Did you both decide on each other?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the first year I picked, um, I don't know how, I think we were just friends and she was little, she was like maybe five foot tall. (laughs) And I was like this, I need to claim her because she's little. Um, and so we, oh gosh, we were, we were bunk buddies for the first year we had a bottom bunk. Um, uh, it was super claustrophobic. And if you think picking a roommate is hard, Picking someone to sleep with every night is 10 times harder. You need to vet that person. And I did not do a good job. I just thought she was small and that it would work. But we were two totally different people. She liked to eat popcorn in bed.
0: <laughs> Get the hell out of here.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that was rough. But um, my second year, I my best friend. I don't,
0: I-, I don't know this person, but I don't like <laughs> her already. That is that's so rude.
1: She's sweet. But I was just like, this is, I need out. So my second year, I picked my best friend and we got, um, of course, we got along really well and we were both like, okay, these are the rules. <laughs> this is how we're going to do this. Uh, wash your feet every night because you sleep head to foot. So it's like, <laughs> hey, <laughs> I wish, what? I wish the listeners could see your face right now.
0: <laughs> no, it, that, that's a safety thing. On the on the bus, you sleep <laughs> yeah. head towards the back. Not What's on that? this bus, you don't.
1: <laughs> no fucking way. Yeah. Yeah yeah it was wild. You're,
0: you're seriously exposing me to a world i did not know exists i'm i'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> you might as well have told me there was unicorns on the bus
1: oh my gosh yeah I there love, weren't right
0: there weren't unicorns no, I okay mean,
1: yeah no i love telling this story because it's so like hard to wrap your head around it's so like what you did what for how much <laughs> like it's crazy
0: okay so yeah. you you had uh an apartment or something, right? Uh, that you had to leave behind.
1: We okay, so we had a campus, and so we okay. had dorms, dorms on campus. Okay. Um, that we, you know, we would come back to you for holidays or whatever. Okay. Yeah.
0: So, what was your? I didn't do. I'm have crying <laughs> when, What was your <laughs> income source? Like, how can you afford to do this? Like, how did
1: donations. you? Donations. Oh my gosh, it was a ministry. You had donations. Send donations. out emails. Have a blog where people like want to follow along my church was like supporting me yeah my my dad my parents both my parents were very helpful and I mean yeah you don't get you don't make money when you're doing it that way for sure
0: so you were reliant on donations so that you could pay to tour
1: Mm -hmm. wow (laughs) yeah yep Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, there's a, that's a business model. I did not know it exists. Excuse yeah. me if I... Uh, don't tell
1: Live Nation. We don't want them to get any ideas.
0: <laughs> man, I used to have an idea of uh, of increasing ticket sales by just allowing people to sit in other people's laps. And I thought that was a bad idea. But that's yeah. a terrible idea. But it, it's, you know, not all bad ideas are, are unsuccessful, you know. That's... A, yeah. Apparently it worked for a... Yeah. A number of years,
1: and then uh, so we had we loaded it on Thursday. The event was Friday night and Saturday, and then uh, Sunday through Wednesday. We would stay at host homes, so we wouldn't even stay at like hotels or anything like that. <laughs> I know, I know. So, hey, sometimes you how get,
0: many how many host homes can can fit thirty eight people?
1: You sometimes you get like ten. Sometimes you stay at a church. You stay in there like, uh, gem, and you they bring in air mattresses (laughs) (laughs) like you're a refugee camp or something i know i if i can do that i can do anything that's what i tell myself if i did acquire the fire i can do literally anything
0: (laughs) as an ambassador of rock and roll touring i would love to welcome you into the fold you deserve every little bit that's coming to you
1: I skipped band touring, though. On the bright side, I went from that bus to another bus, but I don't know if that's any <laughs> any consolation.
0: I I hope that you're at the level now where you get your own bunk.
1: Yeah. Yes. Sometimes even condo bunks, if I'm l- lucky.
0: <laughs> you deserve all the condo bunks. I I put it out to the universe that you get as many condo bunks as you.
1: I'm taking it in.
0: Deserve. It in. <laughs> I would love to shower you with condo bunks.
1: <laughs> yeah. That was a wild time for sure.
0: Okay. So fill me in on these host homes. You're talking like church gymnasiums. And then you're also talking about like the, your donors, I would imagine. The people yeah. that like really wanted you, they're like, oh my God, you're in Dayton, Ohio. You should really come, all 38 of you, you should stay at my house.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time we were broken into groups of uh, like between three and five. And we would say, uh, everybody would say like a, a different family's homes. Um, like whatever area where we were going in, a lot of times there'd be somebody on the team who, um, had family in that area or within like an hour or two drive. And so they would reach out to their parents and their aunts and their youth pastors and all of that. And they would ask if people can stay at their house. Sometimes they were really great. You know, you go to one of those homes and they're like, you know, they have a stocked fridge. You can like sleep in all day. It's like everybody has their own bed. They've got a pool. And then sometimes you go to those homes where you're like, I went to a home one time and okay, we worked literally from Thursday at 8 a.m. until like Sunday morning at 3 a.m. So we are exhausted. So we go to this lady's house where like we're gonna sleep in tomorrow. She comes in around 9 or 10 a.m. and was like, okay, it's time to get up. You guys have slept long enough. I was like, who is this woman and why the fuck is she telling me to get out of bed right now? So sometimes you get homes like that where it's like the, parent, the, the host feels like they have to be your parent. Um, but for the most part, they were really great. They were just wanting to, to spoil someone for a couple of days.
0: <laughs> oh, my God.
1: I'm trying not to talk too much shit about these really nice people who opened their homes up to us. But some of them were really, really bad.
0: No, I I'm sure they all had the best of intentions. Everything you're saying sounds like, oh, that's exactly what somebody who didn't know what a touring professional did would do. They'd be like, oh my god, these wonderful people who share my ideology and my my faith, and and I love what they do, and I want to share with them my home. I, I, like the thought of a of a fan opening up their home is just, I mean, my heart bleeds for that. But at the same time, like, please don't wake me up. Yeah. Please, if you really, really want to show me some some appreciation, stay out of my room.
1: Yeah, exactly. Which is yeah.
0: your room, but please yeah. don't come in here for at least 12 hours.
1: Yeah, actually, don't even come in for anything. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, wow. but we had good snacks, so that was nice. Um, I do love good snacks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the same, I mean, we got to see cool things too. Some of the families would be like, let me take you. Like we went hiking in the mountains one time, but if we were staying there for more than a a night, sometimes we got to do really cool things with the family that we probably wouldn't get to do otherwise. And of course, like we're broke interns. So the families are like, I'm going to pay for you to do this really cool thing. And so that was nice. But
0: (laughs) That part does sound amazing. I, I often feel like we get gypped out of that nowadays because when we're touring, people will ask me like what's touring like i'm like i don't know you get to see the loading docks of the world
1: yeah i can tell you but that in this case
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah like oh if, if i could rate the loading the loading docks of the world i can tell you the five stars and the one stars and stuff right you know? but, right but uh it actually sounds like you actually got to go around and meet the people that were coming to your shows and that that part does sound kind of unique and and, uh, and amazing yeah
1: yeah it was pretty cool it was pretty cool The thing that sucks though, um, so my family of course knew that I was doing that kind of touring. So now like as what I consider to be an adult doing real touring, they still think that I'm like doing like Acquire the Fire touring. So when I'm telling them what I'm doing, they're like, oh, that's nice. Do you need any money? (laughs) Like, Oh, that's cool. Who's, who's, do you need any host homes while you guys are in town? I'm like, no, like I'm a professional now. Like I actually make money doing this. congratulations (laughs)
0: congratulations
1: <laughs> yeah it's hard to get so, my family up to let's
0: get into it. Like, did your did your parents understand what you were going to do did they understand did they think that you were running away to join the circus or did they understand what you were going to do
1: um I think they had a good understanding my parents at least um because I've always been a little bit I, I was a stage manager. I kind of wanted to learn the things. I liked the back, behind the scenes tours and stuff like that. So I think they had a little bit of an understanding. I think it was my the rest of my family and my friends that were like, you're doing what? <laughs> my parents were, have always been super supportive though.
0: That's awesome. That's, yeah. That makes a huge difference. Yeah. But I would imagine the rest of your family is like, uh, you're letting Danielle go do what?
1: <laughs> Especially when those emails came in and I was like, hey, if anybody wants to donate to my account. <laughs> they were like Wait, what <laughs>
0: and so your family they kind of understood that you were going off to support acquire the fire which was a noble cause for for you and your parents right
1: yeah yeah
0: and the majority of your family is like oh well clearly acquire the fire needs they need lighting and danielle can do that
1: yeah, so, I think they were like, oh, that's cool. She's doing something where she travels. I don't I don't even know that they knew that I was doing lighting at the time. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: Cool. So you didn't have to like sit down and have like a coming out to your parents like, so I'm into theater.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> My parents were actually, I was homeschooled, which it like explains a lot, right? Um, so they were always super supportive of whatever career thing I wanted to do. Um, okay. So yeah, that was easy. I think it was just... And you know what? I think even doing the internship, my family was supportive. I think I uh, just now, as a professional, don't quite understand it, but you know.
0: <laughs> okay. So, yeah. so let's talk about the first offer you got after Acquire the Fire. You finally have something on your resume. You can say, like, no, I do know how to program. I do know that they're not called Wiggly Lights. Yeah. yeah. I do know universes and dmx can i work for you yeah what, where did you go first you went to 44
1: so actually my first tour i went out as a spot op, um and that was just through a friend who was the lighting director and needed somebody then okay. i started working for 44 and my first tour with 44 the owner of 44 was really really great um it was just i think it was like a i think i had a vista i think it was just like a little vista m1 i think i was running it off of a computer so that wasn't even really experience right it was just like still kind of doing the whole church thing
0: okay so hold on the the follow spot up one that was at least you got paid to run a follow spot right
1: yes yeah you
0: didn't pay anybody for you to run a follow spot
1: no i didn't no
0: Ah, oh, you must have felt like you'd arrived.
1: Yeah, I did. And I was like, oh, and this is like a real bus. Are we allowed to pee in this bathroom or is it just for changing? Like I had to ask those questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. I felt I would like I have
0: loved to be a fly on the wall the day that Danielle <laughs> had to ask the bus driver, like, can I pee on your bus?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was like, uh.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can. I mean, you have to pee in the toilet. but." but- <laughs>
1: Yeah, he was like. Yeah, you can pee on a bus. Yeah, exactly. Um, And
0: and like your first check cleared, you're like, I I've arrived. I'm a touring professional spot op.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yes, I was so excited. I think I was making like, it was nothing. Maybe.
0: You you don't have to say exactly how much you were making, but (laughs) I would imagine it was more than negative three hundred.
1: Yeah, it was that. Yeah, definitely more than that. I could pay my rent.
0: <laughs> Congratulations!
1: Uh, yeah i know okay
0: so after after as a touring follow spot, you go to 44 designs and they say okay we're gonna put you at the helm of a vista yeah for a band
1: yeah or? yeah for artists uh, a christian artist named josh wilson that okay. was like my, my i think that was my first like tour as a lighting director outside of paying to tour as a lighting director um and that was fun i think it was like a christmas tour maybe
0: and were, were you programming that one as well, or operating?
1: I was programming.
0: Congratulations!
1: Yeah, thanks.
0: <laughs> and did you have a rig, or did you have to? Was it all house rigs?
1: Um, it was a rig. I think it was like some little American DJ and some trave fixtures. So that was we had a, a two genie lifts and a and a truss. <laughs> I think it's the truss was like maybe. 25 feet it was like nothing i think i had some floor fixtures
0: okay Uh,
1: it was mine you know i got to program it the way that i wanted to (laughs) i got to set it up i got to make um executive calls (laughs) on how i wanted to set up the rig every day if i wanted to change things
0: right on yeah okay
1: yeah um so i did that for i think i did two or three tours with josh wilson and then um
0: what was it like to be in your bunk for the very first time all by yourself
1: okay so first night on the bus working for or touring with the ministry we like at the end of the night we were exhausted so there was no like hanging out there was no chatting like everybody went to their bunk got in bed and like fell asleep so my first night on a real tour i was like all right guys um well that was fun i'm gonna go to bed now so like i go and like climb in my bunk and as I'm like laying there, scrolling through my phone, I hear everybody like laughing in the front lounge and I'm like, what are they doing? So I was like, I don't know if I wanna be that person who like gets out of my bunk and is like, I'm not gonna go to sleep now. So um, the next night I was like, okay, I'm gonna hang out for a little bit. And then I realized that, oh, like we can like drink on the bus and we like eat snack, there's after show food. Like there's, this is a whole culture. I was, it was definitely interesting. I did, I was, didn't, I wasn't expecting that.
0: I look at the front lounge and the back lounge with all new gratitude right now.
1: Yeah, for for yeah. you
0: to be there to and, and discover that for the first time it makes me remember what it was like for me, and that is so nice. God, I miss sitting on the front. I miss that so much right now. I know, now. me too. Now more than ever.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, same.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I think we need to take just a, just a moment to soak the soak up how much we miss that and how much the day that i get back to that i'm gonna i'm gonna think of you i'm gonna be like oh my god this is like (laughs) what danielle got to experience and you're gonna get to experience it again yes yeah after months away you're gonna get to be out on the front in the front lounge again
1: again. yeah it was also nice to have a curtain on my bunk because of course on the other bus we didn't have curtains yeah
0: at every turn there's a new thing (laughs) that i didn't know was even a thing
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it was nice to kind of, I snore. <laughs> so it was nice to feel like everybody wasn't looking at me snoring. So I'd like cut, shut my curtain and I had a little bit of privacy.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This is i uh, I've heard of hard knocks. I've heard of like, I've heard of like some Vans warp tour hard knock stuff and you are taking the cake right now.
1: Yeah. whole different level. Completely different. Wow. Level. Yeah.
0: Uh, at least on, the the vans warp tour and stuff like those guys work their freaking asses off but but they get paid
1: yeah <laughs> yeah okay yeah we worked for experience and for jesus
0: <laughs> i i'm sure he's very thankful man and that was that was fulfilling i would imagine right that was very fulfilling you're like no i'm doing this as a service right?
1: Yeah. Yes. For the most part. But then I think we started getting to the point where like, "Mm, this is bullshit. Like this is not okay. Uh,
0: The veil kind of fell away. Yeah.
1: But at first, I mean, and even like, I would probably do the same thing over again because it was just, I made really great friends, you know, but um, I think it was, it started off a little bit more fulfilling than it ended for sure.
0: (laughs) I have to imagine if I came into it with the idea of like a summer camp I'd be like, yeah, this is something I'm doing. This is a, I'm coming in, and we're gonna do arts and crafts, and we're gonna make friends, and we're gonna go meet new people. I, I can see where I can see it. I can yeah. see where the the idea of a summer camp comes in there. That's
1: yeah, it was, that makes defi- sense. They definitely tried to build it up as like we're a team, we're a family, like we're making friends, we're doing, you know, this crazy thing together, and we're bonding, and we're doing something for Jesus, and. um definitely put that spin on it which made it feel you know makes you feel better about doing it for sure okay yeah
0: so after an, enough time as a director you're like no I want to make executive decisions I want to be designer right so when yeah. you re, you started to at least express your your creative muscles there
1: yeah <clears throat> yeah my first so I, I did a little bit of designing when I was out with um, some of the artists of 44 and I'd, you know, do showcases in town and stuff like that. And then my first, like, I'm a lighting designer was, um, I worked for this artist named Jake Shimabukuro. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's a ukulele player. The,
0: the Hawaiian ukulele player.
1: Yes. And um, that is probably to this day, my favorite like job because I got, complete control of everything creative and i was able to just actually use my creative muscles and not have any he trusted me 100 percent with everything i wanted to do which was i mean when i started working for him i had less than a year in real touring and so uh-huh. uh, jeff over at 44 gave me that tour and jake was so gracious in letting me do whatever i wanted to do um which was just such a switch from anything i'd ever done before so that was nice
0: I've heard that he's a very nice guy, too. I've heard that he's, yeah. uh, he's, he he's tours on the same bus as you, right? Does he actually yeah. become friends with Jake?
1: Yeah, yeah. His I know his family, his kids, his brother, his wife. Like, he's one of those guys that when you're with him, like, I mean, I haven't worked for him for years. And I was texting with him yesterday, seeing how he was doing. And he was asking about my mom. You know, he's really great. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: Cool. <laughs> And you actually do respectable venues. I would, it's mostly large theaters and colleges and stuff, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. R- the real real things. <laughs>
0: and he's still young enough. He still can do like five days on, five days in a row if he wants to?
1: Yeah. So, What's
0: his work schedule like?
1: So since he's from Hawaii, when he came to the mainland, he liked to just hit touring hard. So we would right. do three weeks on, two weeks off, and we would have a couple of off days scattered in between there. But it was just so simple. Like I could work every day and not be tired we would start loading at you know 1 p.m and be back on the bus by 10 p.m and have done a full show and so yeah he was I think we were doing between three and five shows in a row before we'd have a day off okay yeah
0: that must have been uh, a great feeling you're like oh this is what touring can be like with hotels
1: hotels um that was a condo bunk tour there were six of us nice is, yeah um is, i it was definitely top-notch touring i got spoiled from going from being on a bus with 38 people to going on a bus with six people i was like okay <laughs> i can do this
0: <clears throat> nice yeah so now fill me in on when you finally got to like arena arena size stuff that you were getting paid for what was that uh was that lizzo was that uh
1: um, Lizzo was, yeah, I think the first like arena sized tour that I was doing. I did like, uh, arena shows here and there for like a fill in show or whatnot, but Lizzo was definitely the biggest tour that I was a part of. Okay. Um,
0: did you program or did you operate that one?
1: So I operated, I came in, um, I didn't know how much about wizzo's career you know but she did Coachella um in April of 20 uh 19 and it did not go well the first weekend so she um ended up getting all new crew for the second weekend and yeah the, uh, yes the lighting director that she brought in um his name is Drew he's amazing he Drew Negi um, yes yeah yeah great guy yeah he um was he lives in Ireland and he was he had a flight booked for two weeks after Coachella and so he's like I can do two weeks of tour but we need to find somebody else to do it so he took he inherited the show from the lighting director that did week one at Coachella and then he kind of made his own changes for week two and then I got that show and made you know changes here and there for the for my first tour with Lizzo so it was a little bit of operating a little bit of kind of adding to something that was already created Um, and then for her second um tour i was i started as just an operator um uh, megan daughtry was the programmer and she did a really really great job Um, also great yeah there were some um the tour changed so much from rehearsals to the end that there were a lot of things that the creative team were like, hey, let's redo this or let's do this differently. So uh ended up redesigning a, a bunch of um, stuff for that as well. But I was brought in as an operator and then, you know, the role kind of morphed into whatever needed. that happens as, as per use. Yeah. Yeah. So, Yeah. That was cool, though. Being a part of that show, being a part of that whirlwind experience
0: i would imagine that you have uh, a whole different uh, vantage when you're doing a tour like lizzo i would imagine that i mean she's such a an uplifting artist and she actually has a, a great message and uh what was that like was it were you was the vibe completely different from some of your other tours
1: yeah it was first of all um the crew was just because everything was happening so fast, we had to we had to work together really well. So being a part of a crew that had to work together in order to get their their job done was really nice. And then seeing um, just the energy at the shows was different than anything I'd ever been a part of. Of course, like working in Christian music, everybody's giving a positive message, but um, there's something different about the way that she delivers a message and the the people that are there and what they're looking for. It was just such a like an environment of like we're here together and so everybody was nice to one another and it didn't seem like a fake nice i don't know it was it was really cool to be a part of for sure
0: now you're working for a paycheck and not necessarily for jesus now you know, yeah this is thanks, yeah. thanks paycheck
1: <laughs> yeah the church of twerk is what we called it <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh that's funny uh, I'm totally going to go off topic here, but we had, okay. <laughs> when I worked for Stevie Nicks, we all, we often had conversations about like, why don't we sell Stevie as, as a pastor? And then we can just avoid all taxation. We could just, we could tour without paying taxes because it's so similar. Like it, Stevie's up there. She's preaching about love. Everybody's sitting in a room staring the same direction the th- same as a church we we all come we pay our homage to to Stevie and we all sit and we hug and we mm. embrace and then we give her our money and then we leave yeah I don't know how that's how much different that is from from a church sermon from yeah. a, from a I gospel onto, you know?
1: I think you're onto something I don't know why they didn't
0: no I I, 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 I I presented it to several people nobody really wanted to embrace my idea but uh, maybe it's up to you and I to you know
1: yeah we'll, we'll reshape the way touring comes back in 2021 or 22 whenever it actually comes back
0: if we were to just go and ordain Lizzo you're know, like okay so now Lizzo is part of the universal church of Lizzo-ness
1: I'm sure she would love that yeah yeah
0: i don't yeah. know the difference between secular touring and faith-based touring because it's it, i think the message is pretty similar it's you know love each other be kind dance like nobody's watching you know and it's and then give us some money and go home
1: yeah
0: <laughs> I, it's a huge like oversimplification <laughs> But
1: yeah yeah uh, I'm, on the surface yeah it is it is the uh, the Same for sure,
0: <laughs> all right. So that's if uh patent pending. If anybody yeah. else is going to steal my idea, please
1: uh, steal this idea. <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> the church of Stevie Nicks it has a future. I, I know it does.
1: So. Yeah, uh, we did the rhyme in with Lizzo, which is, of course, a church, and um. I was like, wow, this feels very much like a Pentecostal church service, (laughs) the way that everybody was up and dancing and singing every word. And my mom came to that show and she is um, still, she's very conservative. And she was like, wow, I was not expecting this. I think it took her by surprise a little bit, especially being in a church and, that our background looked like a church. We had like a a pulpit on the stage and all that stuff. But yeah, my mom was like, "I don't know how I felt about that." <laughs> I was like, "Just watch the lights, mom. Just watch the lights." Wow. Yeah.
0: So you got to ex- you got to uh, expose your parents to the Lizzo touring at the Ryman. your parents live in Nashville as well, right?
1: Yeah. So my my dad passed away a couple years ago, but my mom lives in Nashville now, and so yeah, she got to come. To the Ryman show, very. She was proud, but I think she was a little bit worried.
0: <laughs> that wasn't your mom's first tour or first concert, no, was it?
1: No, no, no. She's came to a bunch of uh, the Jake shows. Okay. But yeah, that was her first. I think. I mean, Jake didn't sing. Jake didn't shake his ass. <laughs> so I think that right. was her first like pop show that I was a part of. Okay. Yeah.
0: I I would imagine that it was slightly better than taking her to like a Nicki Minaj concert or something like that. I I would imagine that Lizzo is at least.
1: I mean, there was a lot of ass. There was a lot of ass. (laughs) (laughs) My mom, when I first started working for Lizzo, she's like, okay, well, like what kind of things does she sing about? And I was like, well, like, she's very like about empowerment and loving yourself. And she's like, okay, but does she say the F word? i was like yeah she does
0: (laughs) yeah yeah oh boy i wonder what what i wonder what her response to good as hell was yeah good
1: as hell huh babe
0: (laughs) i really appreciate you bringing me down for this
1: yeah but so many people when she would tell them because you know parents love to talk about what their kids do when she would tell them who i worked for they were like oh she's so great she's so body positivity and everything so by the time i um, really got established with Lizzo. My mom was like, "Oh yeah." So I hear she has a really great message. I don't really like that she says the F word, but I'm glad that she has a good message. I was like, "Okay." <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah. Right on. That's yeah. uh, it's always an interesting one when you bring your parents to a show. Yeah. Because on one in on one hand, you're so excited them. You're so excited to show them your world and bring them in like, look, this is what I do. I I hope that you're proud of what I do. I kinda want your approval, but I also kinda don't at all. If you're disapproving of this, I really don't wanna hear it. Unless, yeah, yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah. It sounds like your mom was over 50% approving.
1: Yeah, well, she saw my paycheck and she was like, that's fine. (laughs) She's like, I don't have to pay for you to do this. I guess it's okay.
0: <laughs> right on.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, what was the rest of the crew like for Lizzo? It was. It sounds like everybody just kind of got tossed in the fire and really had to pull together to pull it off.
1: Yeah. Um, there was only one person who um, survived the cut, the Coachella cut, um, and then everybody else was just kind of like brought in um, as needed. Um, And so everybody, we were all kind of in the same boat of just trying to make things happen. Everybody was so amazing. Um, There's something about doing the hard shit that (laughs) brings people together. Um, We had just some really great, great people at their jobs and just great people to hang with. It sounds like a
0: a team of people that were pretty good at working with a deadline then. You're like, no, you guys got to get to it right now.
1: Yeah, uh, there were several days that we were working. Pastors, (laughs) Pastors, to <laughs> where like, I think we didn't go for the first, for the fall tour, we didn't do three shows without something changing. We got new decks, we got new backdrop, we got a new um, DJ booth, we got like, there was always something changing. So we became very adaptable. Wow. Yeah.
0: So now that you've seen both sides of touring, which one do you prefer? Do you prefer when things are going when things are constantly changing and there's constant fire and constant pressure or do you kind of prefer the Jake Shimabukuro where everything's just kind of, for lack of a better term, easy street. It's like, Oh, we kind of know what's coming.
1: Yeah. You know, I think maybe I'm a masochist, but I <laughs> love, I love the stress. <laughs> I like, it's okay. I would be okay with doing three, crazy crazy shows a week if we had four days off the problem with the lizard show tour was we did I mean there were times that we did like eight or ten shows in a row wow that made it really difficult but i love like the we got to get it done like we got something new we got to figure out how to make it work we're going into a a room with a 20-foot stage when we actually need a 40-foot stage like let's figure out how we're going to make this work I don't know what it is about that but I love the problem solving and the figuring it out I do also like the Jake side where like, you know, it's just you know that you're gonna I'm gonna have a drink in my hand by ten PM, doors are gonna be closed, I'm gonna it's gonna be easy, but um I think there's gotta be a little bit of both because if not I would get so bored. I would get so bored if I didn't have to problem solve it, you know, <laughs> a couple days a week.
0: I think you're not as masochistic as you think. I think you I think a lot of roadies share that sentiment with you. That's kind of where we thrive. Yeah. I'll go as far as to say, like, currently it's exposed me to the fact that we need that in our lives. Being at yeah. home during the isolation period, the the challenges that are presented to me are not the same. There's still challenges, none the same, but, you know, finding a new way to load the dishwasher is not as challenging <laughs> as trying to sort out how to cut 20 motors out of the rig. You yeah, know?
1: yeah. I've run into the same thing where I'm like, okay, I need some kind of a challenge today. I need something to stimulate my brain. I need some stress in my life, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I share that with you. Uh, not, I don't want people to get hurt or anything, but I do want yeah. a fair amount of living on the edge, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Same. <laughs> I'm tired of waking up in, in the same city every day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah there's uh it there was there's something about waking up in the same bed over and over again I, i'm really glad that there's nobody's feet next to my <laughs> head when i wake yeah. up that's that's a huge yeah. plus
1: All mercies.
0: <laughs> but uh yeah i think as a touring people as a touring tribe we have a certain amount of of grass is greener on the other side itis or like when we're doing a comfortable tour, we're like, man, I, I want I want some, some adventure. And when we're doing an adventurous tour where we're just getting slammed every day, you're like, God, what I wouldn't give for just a just a time coded arena tour.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And they're also, you know, there's something so satisfying about getting on the bus at the end of the night and talking shit about the day, you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so so you don't it's not the same when you have a cake tour.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh I, I do I do appreciate when people are at least constructive in their in their shit talking.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. So when did you start working for Marin?
1: Um I started working for Marin back in February. Okay. Um I was brought February of twenty twenty? February of twenty twenty.
0: You got a new job, February of 2020.
1: That is correct. I did one show with Marin. Which was,
0: um, I would imagine March of something.
1: Yeah, March Houston Rodeo, which was my first and only show with Marin.
0: <laughs> you went through then, all of the rehearsals, everything to do a rodeo.
1: Now, her tour was not supposed to start until May, so they brought. They were trying to build their crew early. Um, they wanted to take their crew to Houston Rodeo. So we did Houston Rodeo rehearsals. I think I got brought in like February 15th or something like that. Um, did Houston Rodeo rehearsals. Did Houston Rodeo. We were planning on going on tour. You know, we had a couple of weeks off we were going to go into rehearsals and then coronavirus. And things just kept getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And then they ended up uh, pushing the tour to April, 2021 for now. I don't okay. know what it's going to look like. But uh, yeah, so one show with Marin.
0: Wow. <laughs> yeah. Do you find that the vibe is different on female tours as opposed to male tours, male artist tours?
1: Um, yeah, I think that people, uh, not that there isn't respect on a male tour, but I think <laughs> when a female is signing your check it's a little bit easier to respect a woman in charge uh i know like with lizzo we had a girl tour manager and we had you know a really heavily stocked female crew we had dancers and all that stuff and so i think that um there's just a little bit more respect because you're working for a woman um i fortunately haven't had any awful experiences working with a male artist and working with all guys or anything like that. So I know some people have, but
0: I think that's great that, to hear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's getting better. I've I've heard as a as a straight white cis male, like I've never experienced it myself, but I've heard that it's 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 real. It, it it actually is. There's some really shady things happening behind closed doors that we just I would
1: have never been exposed to. Yeah, I mean, I guess when I first moved to Nashville, I like did rehearsals for this band and I. They were looking for a L two, and I was like, "I'm available," um, and they were like, "Oh, actually, we want a guy, you know." Um, yeah. Really. So, yeah, that sucked. That was that said was, that out
0: loud. Somebody said that out loud.
1: Yes, they said the band that was going that I was working for, or whatever, didn't want, didn't feel comfortable having a girl on the bus, and so they needed a guy to be the L two. And the LD was pissed because i'd been there through all of rehearsals and he was like we've got a system down you know like she knows what she's doing and they're like the band doesn't want a girl so that's like the only real
0: that's pretty real
1: i mean that's yes yes but fortunately i haven't experienced that too much that was the only time that i personally experienced that but i have lots of friends who have lots of other stories of where you know artists don't want girls around male artists don't want girls around for whatever I think it's more prevalent in Christian music just because like they're trying to like avoid the the appearance of evil evil and they don't want people thinking, you know, some people think that touring is all like sex drugs and rock and roll, even in Christian music and they're like, oh there's a girl with all those boys and, you know, uh, I think that's why it's a little bit easier for Christian touring to be like no girls allowed as opposed to, you know, pop or country or whatever.
0: I, it, clearly it exists on both sides of the of the fence there yeah um, at least with the 38 people on the bus you guys were still separated I, you basically you guys were segregated but yeah
1: uh, yeah but i mean they they allowed it and, and then they encouraged you know friendships there they weren't like don't talk to the boys or anything like that where i feel like sometimes people are like oh but if you're I don't know I'm just rambling now but yeah uh
0: I I'm, I'm gonna let my my male privilege fly here but if somebody had told me that I didn't get a job based on my gender I would be up in arms everybody would be hearing about it I don't know what you can do in that situation like what tools do you have available like look you guys I was discriminated against uh, based on my gender I would be I'd be incensed
1: yeah and you know the thing is like you don't as a woman who's in that position you don't really want to make a stink because you don't want other tourists to hear about you making a stink and then you know not want to bring you on because this is the girl who you know makes the stink about not whatever
0: um, oh, what a catch-22 what a t- shitty situation to be in
1: yeah for sure
0: You you want to stand up for yourself. You're like, no, I'm good at what I do. Yeah. The LD wants me. I'm being discriminated against. I need to make it known that I'm good, but by being vocal about how good you are, you're going to be further discriminated against or further doxed basically.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the way that I handled that was I just, I tried my best not to do work with that company okay who who was providing the gear because i was like if i mean i guess at the end of the day what their artist wants what their artist wants but i just didn't feel like they had my supported me at all being a woman on the road um i i don't think there were any conversations where they're like you know she's the best kid they ended up bringing in a drum tech that i had to train how to do all of the l2 stuff and i just didn't feel like they advocated for me they weren't like she's the best for the job you know they just were like bring in a dude it doesn't matter what dude just bring in a dude um and so i just didn't want to do work with that company anymore
0: Um, it's their loss it's absolutely their loss i can't imagine them come to you and say hey look so we don't want you based on your genitals can you train this drum tech to do what you do yeah yeah i I would give him a big old middle finger you, you guys can't see me, but I'm throwing up a big old middle finger to whoever that person was i i am I'm so sorry that you had to do that even once yeah and if there's anybody out there who's had to deal with that more than once, you know fuck those people yeah it's that's, yeah. That's a pile of shit right there.
1: yeah, it is it really is especially because I mean what what are you scared of having a girl on the road? I know how to do my job. I'm not going to like, I don't know if they're, I don't know what they're scared of having a girl on the road. And it's like, if I'm going to go out there and do my job and do it well, then I feel like people should be glad to have me on the road. Glad to have any woman on the road who knows how to do their job and do it. well. 100%. Yeah.
0: That's, that's the part that's most angering is it's nothing about what you're going to do. It's what they think that they might do if there's a girl on the bus. Yeah they could easily come to you and like hey so uh we have a no uh no fucking around policy you're like okay cool i won't yeah. fuck around didn't plan on fucking around
1: with anybody anyways so, yeah, I, didn't.
0: <laughs> I don't know what you guys think about yourselves but i had <laughs> no plan to fuck around with any of you
1: yeah yeah
0: um you know i i promise i'm just gonna do my job yeah better than anybody else around
1: yeah so it's your, own,
0: your own loss it's, it's your yeah. loss for not being able to step past their own prejudices and their own preconceived notions you're like no you you fucked up you now you have a drum tech to be your l2 so yeah yeah see how much that's gonna cost you
1: yeah good luck with that (laughs) yeah
0: man but but my
1: experience beyond that has been good i feel like and maybe it's because i have been working for women artists or because you know, I don't know why I've been so fortunate, but I feel like the guys who I've been on the road with with have um, been really supportive of having women on the road. A lot of the guys are like, "We love having a girl out here. The bus smells better." You know,
0: I do too. <laughs> I love uh, I love having one, two, three, four girls. Uh, you know, because of that, it 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 changes the vibe on the bus. Yeah, I feel like people are more polite. I think maybe they hold in their farts a little bit longer, (laughs) you know, or maybe they put their shoes away a little bit quicker when there's women around. Yeah. Um, God, when I was on Fleetwood Mac, like we had the best cheese trays, you know, we had, there was just a, a huge wealth of information and different knowledges coming from all different places. Thanks to the, the, the gender, equality on the tour it was yeah you know yeah and we all have our strengths and our weaknesses but at the same time it just it changes the vibe i, I don't know how better to put it
1: yeah i mean i've never been on all boys tour because i'm always the girl in the room but um that's what i hear that's what a lot of people say so and even i had uh was on a tour i was the only girl on the road and somebody made a comment of oh She's the girl on the road. She must be the bus mom. And all of the boys were like, oh, hell no. Like, you don't, like, they were super defensive of me. And they're like, she's like just one of us. And she, you know, she can kick any of our asses. And just so supportive of the fact that, like, I was the girl. They're like, she's just one of us, man. Like, she doesn't have to be the bus mom because she's the girl, you know, which was nice.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's so. 2020 right there that makes me so happy to, to counterbalance all the stuff that we've just been talking about yeah that's the way it should be i've been on tours where it was the bus mom was definitely not uh not the woman not the female man that's yeah 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 that's that's refreshing to hear that
1: yeah uh,
0: i i like being the bus mom sometimes because it's you get the stuff that you want you're like no i'm gonna put on my my Coke Zero or my Monster Energy drinks, and I'm gonna yeah. make sure that gets on there.
1: Yeah, <laughs> for sure. There's definitely perks, but I want to be able to choose that role.
0: <laughs> isn't that isn't that what it's all about? That yeah. is, you know, we shouldn't be uh, predestined based on our gender to be any sort of certain roles. I think that's yeah. what we're hoping for there.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think that, like, as men on the ro- road, I love. Obviously, touring with guys, I have a lot of really great guy friends from touring. And the thing that I've seen that a lot of guys are just doing really, really well is they're not letting people talk shit about the girls on the road. Um, I was loading a truck one time, and one of the stagehands was. I was calling the truck as I do every night, and one of the stagehands made a comment to my rigger that that girl needs to get laid because I was calling the pack how I normally call it, and he was like. Just because she's a boss bitch, like, doesn't mean that she needs to get laid. Like, just do what she's fucking telling you to do. Um, and so, just the guys um, standing up for the girls and like not letting people talk crap about them has been nice to see. Um, you feel supported as a woman when you know that the guys got your back and that they're not going to let anybody talk crap about it. you could just in that case i
0: feel like you were respected as a crew member not as yeah. a not as a woman there it was like yeah, yeah. You, you talk shit about my l my ld you're gonna get you're gonna get a an earful
1: yeah yeah and that's i think all any woman wants is, is to be respected as an equal especially yeah. in you know the male dominated industry sure. yeah
0: like you would never say that about a gruff male rigger saying you fucking wheels to the skies motherfucker he's like yeah. i would imagine that it should be the same message coming from danielle or gruff male rigger you know yeah. like yeah oh, fuck i'm i clearly am supposed to be putting these wheels to the sky and i shouldn't question the gender of who that's coming from
1: yeah for sure
0: nice i uh, yeah. that makes me so happy to know that that is that your experiences is more positive. It, it, I mean, it's too easy to dwell on that one negative, but at the same time, it sounds like a lot of progress is being made.
1: Yeah. I've been really fortunate in my experiences. I, like I said, I've had friends that have not had as many great experiences, but I've been surrounded by really great people. So that's awesome. Yeah.
0: Do you think a lot of that has to do with the way you carry yourself in general?
1: Yeah. I, mean, I like to think so. Um,
0: are you a boss bitch?
1: I mean, I also like to think that too. No, I like, I don't, when I go into a gig, I'm not like, Oh, I'm a woman who has to prove myself. I don't like, that's not how I think about it. I go into a gig and I'm like, I. Know what I'm doing. Yeah. I know how to do what I'm doing and I'm going to do that. If I have questions, I'm going to ask if I, if someone's trying to, you know, mansplain something to me, I'm okay with saying, you know what, thanks, but I think I got it. You know, I'm not gonna be like a bitch about it. I'm just gonna kind of, one thing I always say is I just walk in my confidence. Um, and I think that a little bit of that demands some respect, you know? Um, I'm not, you know, I just, not that I'm like the greatest LD in the world. I feel like I'm a really, really great tech and my LD skills are, you know, catching up, you know, but I, I walk in my confidence. I know what, that I know things and I know how to get things done. And when I don't, I know how to ask for help. And I think that that just in itself speaks volumes. Hell yeah. So and I think I'm a pretty cool hang too. So
0: <laughs> I fully agree. Yeah. So I, I think that uh, for all the people listening today is the, the rubber stamp that uh, Danielle has put She's already gone through all the shit. Nobody needs to test her anymore. She's, we've we've already discussed all the shit that she's gone through. She has proved her hard knocks. Uh, she's got her hard knocks degree more so than any of the thing. I've never had to go through some of that shit. So <laughs> man, when this pandemic is over, it's time to to get back out there. And yeah. uh, this is exciting. This is refreshing. Thank you so much for taking the time and, and being so vulnerable with me today. This is uh, I, I learned a lot of new things today.
1: <laughs> it's been so fun talking about everything. Like I said, that story about my first tour is one of my favorites to tell. I love people's reactions. So glad I got to tell it on this.
0: <laughs> I can, I can definitely tell you, you're going to get some, you know, some emails and some responses from this one.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> well,
0: thank you so much for your time, Danielle. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much.